So good morning. Uh, for scripture today, we're going to be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, the Lord of the Sabbath. At the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain to eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what he, excuse me, Jesus answered, haven't you read what David and his companions were doing when they were hungry? They entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which was saved for the priests and was unlawful for them to do. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that no one is greater than the temple here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the God of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, the Pharisees asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He had said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted about how they may kill Jesus. Thank you, Eliza, for reading scripture for you this morning. I hope as uh, Nelsa uh, shared with us during our prayer time. I hope that you've been enjoying this series uh, and these practice guides. I hope that they've been helpful for you. We're going to continue in this very practical series on spiritual disciplines and uh, the things of the Christian life that uh, Jesus says that we should do. Over the past four weeks, we've uh, been looking at different practices each week, uh, one at a time, Uh, But we have four weeks left and only one practice left. So we're going to spend the next four weeks uh, on one practice, which is the practice of Sabbath. Now, the reason uh, we're spending four weeks on Sabbath is because uh, it's my perception, right or wrong, uh, that Sabbath is one that we need the most amount of help (laughs) with. Uh, It's one that we don't necessarily understand Uh, One that uh, we kind of place of lesser value than others. uh, And that rest is something that we in our lives maybe desperately need. So Sabbath dates all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2. When the Lord rested on the seventh day after six whole days of creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, which says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so this inclusion of God's rest at the beginning of the Bible is why in Exodus chapter 20, Uh, which is the chapter which includes the Ten Commandments, Uh, Moses says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So if, if keeping the Sabbath is the fourth commandment, why is it probably one of the ones that we emphasize the least? All of us are on board with not committing adultery or not stealing or not lying. Uh, but when God commands us to rest, we put that one aside, right? That one goes on the back burner. Mostly because, well, we think it's harmless, right? Well, if I don't rest, I don't actually harm anyone, right? I maybe harm myself a little bit over time if I burn out. But, you know, it's not as directly harmful to anyone else. But I would argue that that's not exactly true. How many of us have used the excuse, I'm just tired, to justify some sort of bad behavior on our part, right? I'm guilty of that one. (laughs) I'm just tired. I can say what I want. John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, really good book, I recommend it, he talks about this phenomenon in our lives. He poses the question, what is the greatest challenge to your spiritual life? If we considered that question, how many of us would say hurry was the greatest challenge? He goes on to say this, but read the Bible. Satan doesn't show up as a demon with a pitchfork and a gravelly smoker voice or as Will Ferrell with an electric guitar on fire on Saturday Night Live. He's far more intelligent than we give him credit for. Today, you're far more likely to run into the enemy in the form of an alert on your phone while you're reading the Bible or on a multi-day Netflix binge or a full-on dopamine addiction to social media, or on a Saturday morning at the office, or another soccer game on a Sunday, or commitment after commitment after commitment in a life of speed. Some others have said that if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Now, uh, John Mark Comer will go on to list uh, ten symptoms of what he calls hurry sickness. And so uh, I'll put these up on the screen here and I'll read them for you. If any of these are true for you, I'd encourage you to listen intently over these next four weeks. It goes like this. Irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, emotional numbness, out-of-order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, slippage of spiritual disciplines, and isolation. Those are effects of hurry in our lives. I'm seeing people throw up some numbers on their hands. (laughs) How many are true for you? So how did we get here, right? How did we get to this point in our society where hurry is a major issue? Well, some point all the way back to when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Before the light bulb existed, the average person slept for 11 hours a night. (laughs) Didn't have anything better to do, right? 
Um, and from there, uh, time-saving, time-saving, I'll put that in quotes, inventions like the dishwasher, the laundry machine, the oven, right? Things that were supposed to save us time, and they do save us time, but we just fill that time that we're saving with other things, and our lives actually become more full and not less busy. So how do we truly rest, right? Maybe we can all agree that this is an issue. How do we keep the Sabbath as we're commanded to? Well, after this long introduction, that's the question (laughs) that we'll answer today. Uh, Let me pray for us first, and then we'll talk about the how. Father, we, we are aware of this command to rest. Your word makes it pretty clear for us. As people uh, living in this day and age, rest is not easy for us. But we see many examples in your word of people who rested, people who took the time uh, to not work, to spend time with you. And so as we look at Sabbath over the next four weeks, God, I pray that you would help us to find that rest to eliminate hurry from our lives. And God, become people who have the sense of peace, who aren't rushing around from thing to thing, but God, people who are content. May we not just rest for the sake of rest, but may we rest for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So your group guides or your practice guides for this week will uh, lay these out for you in more detail. Uh, But the first step to take when it comes to practicing the Sabbath is deciding when you are going to do it. If you actually want to stop yourself from this endless cycle of hurry or busyness in your life, then you need to actually set aside the time to rest and to recover. We have to think about Sabbath as a practice, as an act of subtraction, not as an act of addition. If we simply add another thing, if we simply add the practice of Sabbath onto our lives, onto our already busy schedules, then that defeats the purpose of the Sabbath actually would make us even more stressed. And so as we talk about Sabbath, we need to talk about the things that we need to remove from our lives in order to make time for rest. One note I want to make here before we get too far into Sabbath is that uh, work itself is not a bad thing. Work is good. God worked. He worked for six days and only rested for one day. So the majority of our time is spent working. But we need to balance work and rest. It's a balance to find. If our lives are 100% work, we will end up destroying ourselves. Work is simply corrupted as an effect of the fall and sin that entered the world in Genesis chapter 3. As a result of the fall, our work is corrupted. Our work has become toilsome, It wears us down and breaks us down, and so we need to rest. So the Jewish people have practiced Sabbath on a weekly basis for centuries. 
Their Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday and goes all the way until sundown on Saturday, a full 24-hour period set aside for rest. And so this kind of leads us to shift the way that we should think about our weeks. For the Jewish people, Sabbath was really the beginning of the week and not the end. See, our calendars now are all centered around the weekend. We work, and when the week comes to a close, we have a couple days to rest. But the Sabbath is actually to flip that around on itself. If we rest at the beginning of the week, and then we work, we work from a place of rest. See, something powerful happens when we make that shift. To work from a place of rest is a subtle but helpful shift. If I rest first and then I work, I will be more productive, more attentive, more focused. But if I work first, always trying to make up for uh, that time, always trying to catch up, always trying to do more, I'll never actually end up catching up and I will never find rest. So think about what that looks like for you in your weekly schedule to get very practical here. Natalie and I, when we practice our Sabbath, and I'll be honest, not very good at it. (laughs) It's hard uh, for us when we do it. uh, Because I work on a Sunday, even though I love being here with all of you, uh, this is still considered work for me to be up here. Uh, So we start, uh, like the Jewish people do, on Friday night. And then we will go until Saturday night. For you, that might look different. Maybe for you, you start on Saturday night and go through Sunday night. If you have an abnormal schedule, if that doesn't work for you, you might need to change the day of the week in which you Sabbath. You might need to Sabbath in shorter increments. Whatever it is for you, the first step in finding rest is finding out when You will do it. And scheduling that time and scheduling the rest of your life around it. It's the important part. So the second step, that's the first step. The second step when it comes to practicing the Sabbath is deciding what it looks for you to begin and end the Sabbath. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat, which is literally translated into to stop. So to Sabbath means to stop, (laughs) to stop everything, to bring your life to a halt. To begin the Sabbath is to literally stop yourself from doing anything that is work-related. One note about the Sabbath is that to prepare for a 24-hour period of rest is work. (laughs) It takes time. If cooking is work, then meals need to be prepared ahead of time. If things need to be planned ahead of time, then that needs to happen before the Sabbath begins. So sometimes preparation for the Sabbath begins towards the middle of the week. It definitely begins on the Sabbath day as you're looking forward to that time. If you're going to take an entire 24-hour period to rest, you might need to spend some time preparing for that, making sure that everything is taken care of, everything is in its place for that to happen. So the Jewish practice of Sabbath uh, begins with the first of three meals that happen over the course of the 24-hour period. That first meal 
Friday at sundown, at that meal, uh, the Jewish people would typically light a candle to mark the beginning of the Sabbath. They would gather around as a family at the table, light a candle, and pray together. From that point on, once that candle is lit, Sabbath has begun. Sabbath meals are then a time for celebrating, right? To celebrate and recognize the hard work that has been done well during the week. The time of rejoicing together for all that God has given to you. It's a time to be free from the burden of work or thinking about work. And to say, you know, all that God has given me is enough. I have everything that I need right here. It's a time to reconnect as a family, as a couple. A time to share in fellowship together. A time to uh, find an end to striving. Just be content for a little bit. Now, doesn't this all sound very relaxing? <laughs> A key part of beginning the Sabbath is the setting aside of all things work-related. Now, this might mean for you uh, a fast from technology. It might mean that you need to set your phone aside <laughs> in another room so when that work email comes through, you are not drawn back into it. Now, this is difficult for us to not be interrupted and we're taking our time of rest. But to Sabbath well takes that intentionality, that kind of planning, that kind of preparation, and the self-control to stay there once we begin. Now, to end the Sabbath, the Jewish people would share another meal together, typically on a Saturday night. It's best to ease back out of the Sabbath slowly. You don't want to jump back into working. You don't want to go right back to furiously trying to catch up from all of the things that you might have missed over that 24-hour period. See, that time wasn't lost. It was well spent. The world can wait (laughs) for you to come back. To return to working from a place of Sabbath uh, should be peaceful. should be a peaceful transition. The problems won't seem as big when you're well-rested. The tasks won't loom as large when you only see work as a part of your life, as part of the bigger picture and not the whole picture. As the Sabbath comes to an end, you'll find that the world did not end because you left things alone for 24 hours. That realization brings an incredible amount of peace to us. The third step in the practice of Sabbath, and the last one, uh, maybe the most important one, is to decide then what your Sabbath will look like. Now that you have that rhythm set for when you will Sabbath each week, now that you have the beginning and the end of what your Sabbath will look like, what will you do with that middle part? You have a full 24 hours to do anything that brings you rest. So how are you going to fill that time? Well, first, I would guard against what I just said. Uh, Seeing that time is time that needs to be filled. That is uh, hurry language. Filling that time carries with it the implications that uh, we need to be busy and we need to fill that time with doing things. It's natural for us to feel like that, like we need to map out every second of our day of rest. 
The key is to fill it naturally, without rushing or pushing, but just to do things as they come up, things that bring rest. Now, typically, when we think of rest, we think of sleep. But sleep is maybe one thing that brings rest out of many. You might be able to sleep a little extra on your Sabbath. You might be able to sleep in, take some naps. Those are good things to do, go to sleep early. But rest also means more than just sleeping. There are other things in life that can bring rest to you. Now, from person to person, this differs. Different things bring different people rest. So what is it for you? What makes you feel rested? The best way to find out what brings you rest is really just to think about what you enjoy. What are the things that you like doing? The Sabbath is a day to do those things, as long as they're not work. (laughs) This is the fun part, really, about the spiritual practices exercise. Now, that might be reading for you, might be crossword puzzles, might be listening to music, might be tinkering in the garage, might be going to a baseball game, sitting around the campfire with friends, going to the movies, whatever it is for you that brings you rest, make that part of your Sabbath. See, the key to to the Sabbath is building habits and creating a tradition. And over time, as you practice the Sabbath, you will find greater rest. You will learn about yourself and what uh, makes you feel rested. Because if your body and your soul and your mind know that as part of your Sabbath, you go to a baseball game, and that brings you rest, when you end up at that baseball game, you will feel rested. Now, Jesus, in John chapter 10, says this about the life that he wants us to have as his followers. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Yes, Jesus is talking about eternal life here. As we've talked about in our series in Matthew, Jesus has said the kingdom of heaven is at hand We can experience part of the life that Jesus has for us here and now. And part of experiencing the life that Jesus has for us means enjoying the good things that he has given to us. And Sabbath is a time to do that. The Sabbath is really a picture of what is to come for us as followers of Jesus. In eternity with God in heaven, all striving will come to an end. We will have everything that we could ever need. All who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will find eternal rest in God himself. See, this is what it means to truly be at peace. And Sabbath is a way to experience some of that reality here on earth. When all we do is strive and work and fill our lives with busyness, we miss the life that God has for us. See, many of us would say that we're in an endless cycle of work and busy and hurry. I would say that's not the life that Jesus has for us. There is a place in our lives to enjoy what God has given us. So how do we grow? In practicing the Sabbath? 
How do we advance through these steps and become, this is the question I've been asking every week, how do we become people who actually stop and rest in a way that is personally meaningful and mutually beneficial? To take us back where we started this morning, there's a problem with busyness in our world today. It's slowly killing us. It's wearing us down. It does real damage to us. But God has provided a solution for us. A solution for us that has been there from the beginning. We've simply forgotten about it as time has passed. We Sabbath by following the example set for us by God, by the people of God, and by the church. Your group guide this week in the back for you. Grab one on your way out. We'll go into more detail for you this week. For us to Sabbath, not just out of duty, but out of desire, because we long for rest. Now, I believe, I've been saying this as we go through too, I believe that if we become a church made up of people who stop to rest, people who enjoy the life that God has for us, we will see some pretty incredible things happen in our lives, in the lives of people around us. So in the coming weeks, we'll go into more detail about the different aspects of the Sabbath. Your guide will walk you through how to get started this week. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for all that you have given to us. God, I'll be the first to admit that busyness and hurry are an aspect of my life. God, I, just as much as anyone else, need rest. We all need rest. And God, may we find that in you this week. May we live differently from the world around us. May we be free from the pull to always do more, to work harder, to achieve and to strive. God, may we take this moment to just be content, to say that, Jesus, you are enough for us. You are all that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.